And we're going to start uh, to read in verse uh, number 25, and then we'll have a short word of prayer and um, get into our last lesson. Okay? So the Bible says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host. And he said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell amongst the thieves? And he said that he that showed mercy on him and then said Jesus unto him, Go and do likewise. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for this day and each and every day that You give us. Lord, as always, we're thankful for Your goodness. We're thankful for Your mercy and for Your grace. We ask Your blessing now upon our Bible study time. Be with the Sunday school classes downstairs. and Be with the teachers, the students. Be with the junior church. Uh, to follow the morning worship service. Let this, this day be a day that we bring honor and glory to You in all that we do and all that we say. For we ask it in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, again, it's our last uh, lesson in our series, Fishing for Men. And um, the theme verses there, of course, at the top of your handout, Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 18. And I will make you to become fishers of men. And we've kind of emphasized that becoming a fisher of men, it's a process. Uh, obviously starts when somebody accepts Christ as their Savior. Uh, but then as we grow in the faith, just as the apostles spent three years with Jesus, uh, He was teaching them how to be fishers of men. Again, not only winning people to Christ, but also uh, those who have accepted Christ to build them up in the faith and for them to to grow in the faith. So the scripture that I read this morning, I think probably for all of us that are in this room, is a fairly well-known section of scripture, the, the account of the Good Samaritan. So I read all of that primarily to get to the very last verse. Again, if you look at verse 27, or excuse me, verse 37, after, after Jesus talks about the man who fell by the wayside, and he talks about the priest that came, he talks about the Levite and all that they did or they didn't do, um, and then the Samaritan, and um, 
Jesus commends the Samaritan for what he did. At the very end, the last sentence, then said Jesus unto him, go and do likewise. So what's happening here? Again, Jesus is just another example of teaching his listeners and then down through the ages, you and I and everyone else who has read this, that this is what a fisher of men does. That this type of person uh, involves his or her life with other people. Fishers of men. So notice this on your handout here. This, uh, just this first little paragraph. So when we examine God's work throughout the Scriptures, we find this to be true, that there is always the handprint of human a human being on another human being. God uses people to reach people. So while we understand that all the work depends upon the Lord, we also understand there's a human element. The, your, the Lord uses human instrumentality. Someone invested a portion of their life in you. Someone prayed for you. Someone labored for you. Are we then not obligated to invest a portion of our lives for others? So just think about that for a minute. Just kind of let your mind wander a little bit with regards to who was it in your life that had an influence on you? That really brought you to, we talked a little bit about this last Sunday, either the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ or helped you to, to grow in the faith and to learn about the Bible. Um, whoever that was, whoever those people were, they invested time in you. And um, we should never take that, take that for granted, the investment of time in people's lives. And so really the story of the Good Samaritan is the same thing, is it not? The Levite did not want to invest any time and any effort in helping this man who was on the wayside. Uh, the priest did not want to invest any time or any effort in helping this man. But yet the Good Samaritan, he invested his time, he invested his resources, uh, even returned. He said, I'll come back again. So that's what a fisher of men does. They invest time and effort in other people's lives. And we live in a day where it seems sometimes people are just too busy to invest time and effort in other people's lives. But you and I as believers, that ought not to be our case. When you think of Jesus and the example that He set, He spent three years investing all of that time in the twelve disciples, only to have one of them, of course, um, reject the Lord and rebel against the Lord. Uh, but he spent that time with them. And then the disciples. So much of the Bible is about the disciples spending time with other people and drawing them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and then building them up in the faith. The Apostle Paul, uh, three missionary journeys that he went on. And even when he was imprisoned, he took the time that God gave him in prison and the opportunities to invest in the lives of people. So, you know, wherever you are and whatever you're doing, 
whatever you're involved with, there are people around and uh, we shouldn't be investing our lives in winning them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ being born again into the kingdom of God. A great example in the Bible is the Apostle Paul. When he writes to Timothy, he says, Timothy, he calls him the son of, he says this, our son in the faith. Now, Timothy wasn't his biological son, but he was his spiritual son. He spent that time, he spent all that energy in, in training up Timothy. And then, and then Timothy would go ahead and he would train up others as well. So there's always a human ele- elephant. Yeah. There's always a human element in, in dealing with people and uh, sharing the gospel uh, with people. Uh, Titus, he, called, he said to Titus, mine own son after the common faith. And then we'll look at Titus in a few minutes, but he, he instructed Titus to ordain elders in every city. Take time and train men up in the faith and uh, so on and so forth. Uh, the gospel, or the, uh, John, uh, the third uh, epistle of John, I have no greater joy, John said, than to hear that my children walk in truth. I don't, I don't think John was talking about his physical ch- children, uh, although that's a great statement to be able to make when your own children walk in the faith. But, but if you remember there, in uh, 1 John, he talks about the young men, and then the men, and then the old men, and, and uh, different times and different places in their lives where uh, different, uh, some were new in the faith, some had been in the faith a little bit longer, and others had been in the faith for a long time. He thanked God for all of those because all of these would have spent time and they would have built one another up in the faith. 1 Thessalonians 2.4 on our Sunday school uh, list at the bottom there, it says this, but as we were allowed, Paul writes to the, to the believers in Thessalonica, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. The gospel has been placed in our trust. And um, we should always be mindful of that. From one generation to the next generation to the next generation. The gospel has been, been placed in our trust. So, look on the back of your handout. These uh, three points here that really the Lord is our example, but as believers, we're to be mindful of this, that there is a principle that must be followed. And if we're not following it, you know, the Bible says, to him that knoweth to do right and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So the Lord has placed this upon our lives. And uh, it's a principle that should be followed that we find throughout the Bible. We need to pass on to someone else the things we have learned. This is the principle of a follower a fisher of men. So, notice the pattern. Notice the pattern. Go to to Luke chapter 5. I didn't put that on your hand that I should have. Luke chapter 5. In Luke chapter 5, pick this up in verse number... um, Pick it up in verse number 1. 
So the Bible says that it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. And when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep. Let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. So in my mind here, there's a little bit of hesitation on their part. But they were being taught to be followers. And so we see here in Simon Peter, this is being instilled in him. And Simon Peter, he says this, Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down thy net. Now, as fishermen, it didn't make any sense to do what he was about to do. But he was being taught to follow the Lord. The Lord was giving him instruction. They had fished all night. And I think, I don't know a lot about the kind of fishing that they did, but I don't think they did much fishing during the day or they made it in the early morning, but they needed to wash their nets so their nets wouldn't, wouldn't rot from the, uh, from the water and such. But Jesus comes and He says, listen, you need to do what I have said here. And so He does. And of course, we know when He did this, there was a great multitude of fish. They beckoned unto their partners that were with them in the other ship that they should come and help them. They came and they filled both the ships so that they began to sink. Simon Peter falls down. It says that Jesus' feet saying, depart from Me, I'm a sinful man. For He was astonished and all that were with Him at the drought of fishes that He had taken. Well, they had those fish because they were learning to be followers, to do what they were told. And so was also James and John, the son of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. Followers. Followers. Somebody said many years ago, you can't be a leader until you're a follower. You need to learn to follow first before you can be a leader. And um, that's so true. First Corinthians, you see this all through the Scriptures. Paul writes to the church in Corinth on your handout. He says this, listen, he says to the to church in Corinth, be followers of me even as I also am of Christ. So people will follow, as we follow Christ, people will follow you and I. Those of us that are still or have raised children. Uh, or we have grandchildren. Uh, we're setting the example. They need to see you and I follow Christ. As they see you and I follow Christ, they too will follow the Lord. Philippians 3.16, Paul writes to those believers, Brethren, be followers together of Me, and mark them which, so as, uh, and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. You know, Paul would talk about those who walked disorderly. Don't follow them. Look to those who are following the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 1.6 He writes to the church in Thessalonica and he says to them, and ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the Word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Ghost. So everywhere the Apostle Paul went, as he followed Christ, people would follow him. And Paul knew that people were following him. 
You know, in the years that I've been in the ministry and, and uh, really just a small sphere of different men that I've gotten to know in this area of New England, it is, um, it's devastating when a man who's a pastor of a church uh, takes his eyes off the Lord and stops following the Lord uh, because the people in that church, and most people in a church, they look to the pastor or to the, the, the team of pastors to be followers of Jesus Christ and to set the example. Not that they're, not that a pastor is any better than anybody else, but that's a responsibility that uh, a pastor has. I remember, whether it's in the church or outside of the church, um, one time I was out with a group. We were motorcycling and we wanted to get something to drink. We stopped at this restaurant and it was packed with people. And uh, so we walked in the only place that you could get. Now, there were some tables that were left open, but one of the guys said, well, you know, there was, there was a bar there, and they said, well, you know, we're all drinking soda. Nobody's drinking liquor, or, or iced tea we're drinking. And I didn't want to sit at the bar. I said, he, he, you know, they started to go to the bar. And I said, no, I don't want to sit at the bar, I said. I, I, don't, I don't want to sit there because, you know, somebody may walk in. We were, and we weren't in North Adams, but I just didn't want them to see me sitting at the bar because they had no idea what was in my drink. And, you know, the Bible says for you and I as believers, uh, and, and, and if you sit at a bar and you don't have a problem with that, that's between you and the Lord. But for me personally, the Bible says to abstain from all appearances of evil. So I, I didn't want to set myself up for that. In fact, even before I was in the ministry, when we were in business on weather like this, sometimes we'd go out and get some cold drinks. And where my business was, here on the corner, was a liquor store that sold soft drinks, but then up here was a convenience store. So I would always, it was easier, it would have been easier to go to the liquor store and buy soda or whatever than it would be for me to walk a little bit further up the street. I just didn't want to go into a liquor store. I didn't want people to see me coming out. They don't know whether I'm buying. It was just my personal thing, and I know we all have personal convictions about some of these things. But for me, as a pastor, I wanted to make sure that I was setting an example. And certainly, I've never always set a perfect example, and you should never expect any pastor to set a perfect example, because pastors are just men. But on the other hand, there's a responsibility. And, um, but you and I, as believers, we have a responsibility, um, because we're followers of the Lord. Take your Bibles and turn over to 2 Timothy. Look, look here, this whole theme of following and becoming fishers of men and others following us. 2 Timothy chapter 2. So Paul writes here to Timothy. It's really near the end of Paul's life. He's going to be... A, He's going to be arrested soon and thrown into prison and eventually he'll be beheaded. But he says this to Timothy, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. 
Now look what he says. The same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So just another example. One person taking another person and investing their time and their efforts regarding ministry. Thou therefore, verse 3, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, I've never been in the military, but I suppose that, and some of you have, and afterwards, if I'm wrong, you can correct me, but I think I'm not wrong. But the whole part of training, basic whether it's basic training or, or the other training that goes along with it afterwards, is prepare men and women who are in the military for whatever they're going to experience, whatever they're going to face. The adversities of being in the military. The adversities of being in war. So they're trained. They're taught. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. That no man warth, that warth entangle himself with the affairs of this life. That he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. So that's a principle. To be a follower. Learn to be a follower. Learn to be a follower. You'll be a leader. Um, but secondly, if you notice on your handout is this. There's always a price to pay. There's a price to pay. The ability to help others as Christians is related entirely to the private secret preparation we make as Christians. The character of our Christian life is determined by the time we spend with the Lord Jesus. Somebody once said this, if you don't want to meet the devil during the day, make sure you spend some time with Jesus in the morning. You understand what I was talking about? If you don't want to meet with the devil during the day, spend some time with Jesus in the morning just to prepare for your day that's ahead of you. And I've always, since the time God called me to be a pastor, I've always hammered away at being in the Word of God every day and being in, spending some time in prayer every day. Um, because as you all know, we have an adversary, a roaring lion, walking about seeking whom he may devour. But that's the price that, that we pay. Uh, a time of, of self-examination. A time of getting close with the Lord. Uh, if we're not going to do that, then we really are going to um, find ourselves at times weakened in our faith. And that's not a good thing. Acts 4.13 on our handout. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. These guys were just fishermen by and large. And uh, they, they weren't highly educated, uh, but they, they were highly educated in fishing. They had a great fishing business. But the people saw them and who talked with them and they said, wow, there's something different about these guys. And the Scriptures tell us what was different about them. They'd been with Jesus. And uh, if you and I aren't going to spend time with Jesus, we're going to have a difficult time being fishers of men. And not just spending time with Jesus on Sunday, but spending time with Jesus on Monday. And on Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Spending time with the Lord. And we learn things as we spend time with Him. And I was watching a ball game the other night. I'm a Yankees fan. And they had one of the players for the Yankees, their first baseman, 
um, was trying to raise money for a cause. And so you could bid on certain things to raise money for, for this cause that he was involved with. So a couple of them were, some of the players on the Yankees had volunteered their time. Like the star pitcher on the Yankees, his name is Garrett Cole. And the man, his, I think these salaries are ridiculous myself. I'm a baseball fan, but I think the salaries are ridiculous. The man is being paid over $300 million to throw a baseball. It's a lot of money. But many of them, I mean, a lot of times you hear with regards to sports people, you hear the negative things. That, you know, they get arrested or something like this. But many sports personalities donate much of their time uh, to help in different causes. Um, here's, here's an example before I tell you this other story. One of my favorite players of all time was a man by the name of uh, Mariano Rivera. He pitched for the Yankees, the greatest baseball closer of all time. Well, regularly, he'd go down to Central and South America in the off-season. He was a Christian, an outspoken believer, and he would regularly go down, and when we were in the Dominican Republic, they told us of the stories when he would come with a team of, not ball players, but a team of believers, and they would go from village to village to village to village, and a lot of poverty there, and they would bring with them baseballs, baseball bats, mitts, and they would call the people, the kids to come and, and they would give them a clinic for free. And they'd give out all the sports equipment and then they would preach the gospel to, to all of them. There were many towns where they paid to have ball fields built. Um, so, and they used that part. Of, they, they used the gift that God had given them, the fact that they were ball players, they used that, the monies that they had made. But these were people who made lots of money. They could have just taken the off-season off and done whatever they wanted to do. But the other illustration I was going to give, so to raise money for this charitable cause, many of the ball players said, well, you know, if you bid on this, we will, whoever wins, I'll give them a two- or a three-hour lesson in hitting, or a two or personalized lesson, or a two- or three-hour lesson in, in how to pitch. And so, again, it's just an example of people giving their time and their efforts in trying to train other people, lead other people. We're called to do that and to look for those opportunities. You know, last Sunday morning in my Sunday school class, I talked about spiritual opportunities. Looking for spiritual opportunities to either share our faith, give out a track, invite somebody to church. And the Lord gave me that opportunity last Sunday night. So we all went down, my family went down to um, Kristen's ice cream stand and we met there to have some ice cream in the evening and I got my little cone and I'm standing there and this fellow came out and I found out his name is AJ. I was on my motorcycle. Uh, the rest of the family went down. I said, I think I'm going to take my bike down just to get a short ride in. So he was a biker. He came up and um, A.J. is literally, the nice guy, he's literally covered with tattoos from the top of his head, I think all the way to his toes. I mean, everywhere he had tattoos. But the nicest guy. So we're talking about bikes and my, and my bike and, and so on and so forth. And then I, all of a sudden, it's like the Lord kind of hit me in the head. He's, and the Lord said to my heart, you know, you're teaching in Sunday school class this morning about spiritual opportunities. 
Well, here's, here's a spiritual opportunity. Right here, you can have a discussion with this fellow about the Lord. I mean, literally, that's what I'm thinking. And so then, if you remember last Sunday, when you get into these opportunities, it's not always that you start off with the gospel right away. You make small talk, and then I said to him, well, let me tell you how I got this motorcycle. So I told him the story on my 25th anniversary, how the church purchased and gave that motorcycle to me as a gift. And then I told him who I was. And then I invited him to church. And um, it's just a spiritual opportunity. Um, and you just have to take time with people. But that's what we do as fishers of men. There's a price to be paid. And um, fishers of men spend time. Professional baseball. Well, oh, you know when I was down in Haiti on a missions trip some years ago where my friend Tim Taylor and I were staying, upstairs in the same building was a medical team. These are all medical professionals from the United States, all believers. They were taking a couple of weeks out of their time, their own expense. They flew to Haiti. They set up medical clinics for two weeks at a time, and they invite the Haitians to come, and they give them free medical treatment. There was doctors, dentists, nurses, and then they were telling us they also give out the gospel to each patient that comes in, and it's a way for them to take the gifts that God has given them in the medical profession and to share the gospel with people. These are people that took a couple of weeks out of their busy schedules and they just gave this time to the Lord. So look for times, look for opportunities in our own lives to do this. It's a price that has to be paid. Go, take your Bibles and go to the book of Titus. Titus chapter number 2. Titus chapter 2. The Bible says in verse 1, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Paul's writing to Titus. That the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and patience. Well, why did he say that? So because he knew the younger men would be following them. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becoming of holiness. Not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the Word of God be not blasphemed. In other words, set yourself up so others can see you're an example, so that people will follow. Young men, likewise, exhort to be sober-minded, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptness, Gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. So here's more instruction. This is the kind of life to live, to become a fisher of men. And then lastly, we're out of time, but always remember this. There's a person to please. I remember when I just began to follow the Lord and I got involved in church, and Pastor Ainsworth asked me if I would lead music. And I said, yeah, okay. And uh, I learned, you know, back in those days, you don't see this much any longer. You see it a little bit, but most churches, the song leader would lead, you know, with his hand. 
You know, if it was three-quarter time, you know, give it one, two, three. One, two, three. Anyhow, uh, or if it was four-quarter, or I guess you'd call it that. Four, I'm not a music guy, so four-quarter time, right? Is that what you call it? So one, two, three, four. One, two, three. And that's how you'd lead music. Well, I don't know. I, I, he, he gave me a hymn book. He, he, he picked out a hymn with four quarter, four quarter time, three quarter time, and all the other times. <laughs> and he literally put a, a diagram, a pattern in there. That's how I learned to lead music. I stood in front of a mirror, I sang the hymn, and that's how I learned, oh, this is how you do this. You know, and then depending on, depending on who played the organ back in those days, and we had an organ, uh, Jim Thompson was easy to lead singing to, but when Pastor Ainsworth played the organ, you thought you were at a roller rink. You ever hear of the music at a roller rink? So, you know, you felt like you wanted to lead music in roller rink around the, around the auditorium. It's a little more difficult. But I tell you that because I told my dad, I said, you know, my dad was thrilled to death, you know, that I was in church and that I think him and my mom were still wondering whether this was what was this really all about? Because I had lived a very reprobate and ungodly life. And uh, now he's here and I'm leading singing in church. But he said this to me and I never forgot it. He said, remember this. He said, whenever you're standing in front of people, you're up there, you're representing the Lord Jesus Christ. And to be sure, as you stand before people and you represent, you remember that's the most important thing, that one day you have to give an account to him. I've never forgot that. And it's so true. Um, there's a person that we all have to please at the end of our life. In John chapter 8, verse 29, even Jesus set the example with His heavenly Father. Look what it says. And He that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone. For I do always those things that please Him. Well, whether we're in church or we're not in church, we as believers should always do all those things which please the Lord. Or 1 Thessalonians 4.1. Furthermore, Paul wrote to the church there, Then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. So that finishes up our series on becoming fishers of men and leading others to the saving knowledge of Christ and leading others to grow in the faith. The principle that must be followed, there's always a price that's going to be paid. And then always remember this, that Jesus is the one that we have to please. Amen? Let's pray. Father, bless our morning worship service. Let it bring honor and glory to You. In Jesus' name, Amen.